Today's sponsors of the Hi Hat Film Podcast are Jenko Olive Oil, and they want to make you an offer you can't refuse. From their sun-kissed vines of Corleone, Sicily, to their headquarters in Little Italy, New York City, no one delivers on quality like this family-run business. Whether you're going to the mattresses or hosting a lavish, elegant wedding, think Jenko Olive Oil. Morning, welcome to the Hi Hat Film Podcast, episode number 53. I think we're on at this point. We are your purveyors of authentic frontier film gibberish. And it's another episode, well, let it not be said that we are not gluttons for punishment here on the Hi Hat Film Podcast because it is another DVD box set marathon episode. Yes. Only three films up for discussion today, but they do run at somewhere in the two and a half to three hour mark apiece. Oh, the look of pain on your face just saying that. But it is also regarded as, well, certainly the first two as uh, some of the best films ever made. We are, of course, talking about the Godfather trilogy. Francis Ford Coppola's epic gangster opus featuring great talents uh, such as Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, James Caan, Robert Duvall, Robert De Niro pops up along the way there. Let's not forget about Diane Keaton. So it's going to be fun-filled nine or so hours. Joining me back once again after after the, the jaunt through the Shagadelic Austin Powers series... Pleased to welcome back to the show, Mr. Andy Fennick. How are you doing there? I'm really well. Thanks for having me back, Mike. It is a pleasure. I mean, you say having you back as if there, there's not many people banging down my door to watch uh, all of these uh, franchises. So uh, thank you for agreeing to come back, I suppose. Well, you keep picking movies that I really like. So if you start, you know, rocking up with stuff that I'm not so keen on, then maybe we won't. But as long as you, you stick to stuff like The Godfather and maybe The Mighty Ducks in the future, then we're good to go. And also joining us, here comes a bonus challenger into the game. Pleased to welcome for the first time live and in person, Mr. John Fitzpatrick. Welcome, welcome to the Hi Hat Studio, John. Thank you very much. You are sort of our you're our ace in the hole for this podcast because I, I, I've seen the first two Godfather films. Andy, I'm assuming you're going to be bringing this deep expert knowledge and uh, pointless trivia to, to all of the films that you you did so well with Rocky and Austin Powers. John and I were having a little chat on the train about which Friends character I would be, and I, I wanted to be Paul Rudd, just because he hates all the other Friends characters except for Phoebe. He's clearly the best. But John said I was I was Ross. I, I was hoping at least for Chandler, but no, apparently Ross. So the, the, the pointless knowledge. I have a lot of trivia and it's all very trivial. I'll settle for Gunther, I suppose. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you'll bring the trivia. Uh, John, you haven't seen any of The Godfathers. Nope. Not, uh, not one. How has that happened? How, how have you gone this far? I mean, you know, you're a cinema fan. You were a successful, mm-hmm. successfully submitted a film to the Hall of Fame. You know your stuff. So, so what is it about the Godfather films that you hate? <sighs> well, I, <laughs> I don't hate anything yet. Yet, yet. <laughs> um, I'll talk to you in nine hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and I'll never watch them again. Um, 
I don't know. I guess it's just been one of those things that has passed me by. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of gangster movies, Italian mafia uh, movies, and I guess there's always a bit of kind of cultural weight that comes with it mm-hmm. that I don't really want to... I haven't gotten to the point where I feel... Um, sit down and watch them and not worried about being disappointed maybe fair enough I think it's going to be great talking to you throughout this uh, first of all probably you know before we go into the films getting what you maybe or ex- your expectations of the films what you what you think they're going to be about obviously these are films that have been highly referenced throughout pop culture over the, the decades that they've been out so it'll be interesting to see what, what you've what understanding of the films you've pieced together from the references and then getting the initial reactions I think is going to be really fun as well so uh, yeah well again when we were coming through the train the only reference points that I I have is the IT crowd. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is... That's, that's a bit esoteric, really. You know, yeah. he's not seen The Simpsons, so... Like, I, was, yeah. what, what's your I have seen The Simpsons. Well, I sure, don't but, watch The Or you Simpsons. didn't recognise that there was some uh, yeah. Godfather references throughout, just like... Most people probably don't get all the Citizen Kane references that are throughout, but they're omnipresent in The Simpsons. It's just you're not noticing random shots like that. So what's your favourite... We'll go for Simpsons, because I know that you like Simpsons, Mike. What's your favourite Simpsons <laughs> Godfather reference? Oh, jeez. Um, I suppose the one that really sticks out is when uh, Lisa is hating Homer for some reason. I think he misses a, a, a saxophone recital or something. So she, to win, her, win back her affections, he buys her a pony. And uh, in order to, and he thinks the best way to reveal to her that he's bought her a pony is to smuggle it into her bedroom. Yes. And I guess into her bed without her realising. And then she wakes up in the morning pulls back the covers and there's a horse's head there but sure. uh, luckily it is attached to a live pony yes. and uh, yeah, she's she's actually really chuffed and not scarred for life not scarred for life at no. all um, since you ask my favourite one is when Homer is pretending to be Don Finucci from the second one and he's got the white suit <laughs> and he's walking through the old neighbourhood and folk are handing him donuts and it, 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 it merges back into the real world and it's just him standing there with his family around him and he just goes, that's a good donut. Yeah, that's a good one as well. I do like that. Just for the suit. I like Homer in uh, different characters. John, I'd say all of this is going to make sense to you but you know, you're not a big Simpsons expert. So <laughs> <you> know, <it's laughs> I know. It's wasted on me. Hopefully yeah. somebody else will be listening. No, I'd like to think enjoying. even people who got it they're, they're still not enjoying it so it's effectively all waste yes. well it's nice to know you'll have a whole new appreciation of the IT crowd at the very least mm. anyway, yeah exactly well I suppose we've got a long way to go and a relatively short time to get there so we'll, we'll jump straight into 1972's The Godfather which comes in at a, a slender 175 minutes running time directed by Francis Ford Coppola uh, written also by Francis Ford Coppola and uh, of course based on the novel by Mario Puzo mm-hmm. which is uh, quite different in tone the book you read the book didn't you? I have read the book yeah well, what's your favourite uh, do you think it's going to make the edit if we discuss my favourite scene in the well, book? well I know you're just going to talk about like the chapters where they talk about how Sunny's massive penis is stretched out of her vagina so well no she already had a stretched out vagina right okay this isn't the type of film I thought this was going to be <laughs> well actually you know what there's there's a reference to it in, in the very right early on mm. if you're going to watch the film guys they're doing the, the sort of set up scene showing you all the different members of the family right at the beginning at the wedding and you see Sonny's wife and she sort of puts her hands together as though she's doing oh, about, about 10 inches apart and then she goes uh-huh and her hands stretch out farther apart and it's it's just a little hint to the book it's a little nod that won't obviously make it into the script she wasn't talking about a fishing trip then. she could have been doing that as well but I, I impl- inferred that she was talking about her husband's really big willy. Apparently when he went to Hooker's as a, a teenager, he had to pay double. 
didn't even realise that was a thing. Well, anyway, <laughs> the the film, the, you know, the films are sort of seen as these classy and, you know, there's a sophistication to them. The, the book is a lot more kind of trashy. Sure, really, very pulp. You know, very pulp. So, you know, he borrows from it and he, he takes, I think he cherry picks what he puts in and, and doesn't. And uh, Sure, I mean, you get sort of two sort of adaptations. Like, uh, I know that John loves Blade Runner. Have you read Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? Nope. It's really, really different. They've basically taken all the really good stuff and sifted through the crap. Whereas if you read the book of the Maltese Falcon, it's like a screenplay for it. It really is. There's one scene that does that gets cut where the detectives go off and eat pig trotters for lunch and that scene gets cut. I don't think it would have worked. But other than that, it's basically a screenplay. The Godfather is the first type. It's You've got all this information and you sift out the crap and you come away with a really good film. You've got to do other stuff to it to make the film work, but the story and the characters are all there. The film won three Oscars in 1973. It won the Best Picture. It won the Best Lead Actor for Marlon Brando as Don Vito Corleone. Corleone? Corleone? What were we settling on? Corlon. Corlon. See, but you're not going to get that, John, until <laughs> six hours down the line. But you're going to love it when that guy shows. He's a, he's a great little part. Yeah. And also for uh, best writing, it also got three nominations yeah. for supporting actor, which is quite rare to see three actors from the same film getting a, a supporting so actor nomination. Al Pacino. Yep. Um, Jimmy Khan. Yep. And Duval. Yep. All three of them. And Fredo didn't get one. No. Fredo, gets, Fredo doesn't get anything. It's Fredo. <laughs> yeah. See, this is something that kind of puts me off as well. The best picture and all these um, actor awards and all this kind of stuff, they, they tend to be the less interesting films in my experience. Oscar winners. They're bigger budget, schmaltzy sometimes, with the exception of Rocky. Sure, I mean, I think the, the first Godfather film especially was a reasonably small budget and they really had to, I mean, we'll get into it later, but they really had to fight in order to be able to spend money. I, I think the studio really wanted it to be contemporary. They wanted it to be set in 1972. Right. And they had to fight to get all the stuff because it's post-war and there's lots of sort of post-war things and there's lots of little things that Coppola says. Um, that he had to really fight for to keep from the book um, so I think it, it was a, very much an underdog film he was almost taken off directing it early on as well okay. um, so it, it's sort of an underdog film early on um, and the second one if it does have a huge budget it's just because it's a sprawling massive epic movie well I'd estimated it's £6 million budget which is I suppose a, not a small amount back in 1972 it went on to gross 244000000 million worldwide so it's it, it's done alright I suppose Dece, I would say Dece of the uh, I mean you must have seen this movie many 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 times Andy have you seen it recently? I've been holding off watching it recently because we've been wanting to do this bloody <laughs> podcast for so long and you know what my wife wonderful woman that she is about two months ago came to me and said I would never do this but she said um, you know what we should watch the Godfather films again which is such a wonderful gift from a wife because that's not the sort of thing that happens very often. No. And I had to say, no, because Mike and John and myself are going to sit down and I don't want to spoil it. And I got annoyed because in the last couple of days I had to check that the DVDs were working. So I got to watch like the first 10 seconds of it and you get the, the, the soundtrack and the title card and then it's the, uh, the funeral director's head just popping up and you just got to want to watch this. But I've not been able to. Well, the moment is almost here. John, what what expectations, if any, do you do you have from from the first Godfather film at, at least? What do you think happens? <laughs> what do I think happens? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they they have a wedding. 
<laughs> other, than, other than stuff that you can garner from what we have described. <laughs> no. There's a moment where a guy eats a donut. Yeah, and there's a yeah, there's a head, a horse's head. Uh, I don't, I don't really have many expectations. Right. To be honest, I imagine that it, I imagine it to be quite slow, a little <laughs> bit boring, maybe. Right. And kind of a, a lots of beige, lots of beige. golden beigey okay. lights in it. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe the... oh, we're going to go for patina. That's the copper light we're going to go for. Can I just say, I, I'm making John watch this film because we have many discussions about films over mm-hmm. the years. And, and it's not that I want John to watch these films so that he comes out of them loving these films. I just want to be able to make Godfather references when we chat about films and not have him go, <laughs> no, haven't seen it. Because yeah. that really, that puts a dampener on the conversation. Which is an unfair position because you won't watch the House Party trilogy, <laughs> which is something that I reference on a daily basis. I, I think really... it's only fair that the next time that we get together for a, a, a box set marathon that we do the House Party trilogy. I would like to think that the House Party trilogy will come in at less than two Godfather films. Am I right? Uh, yeah, they're yeah. quite quick. And like I said before, you can pretty much fast forward through the third one. Okay. And most of the second one. Okay. Look out for that on episode 54. <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, for me... I- I love the Godfather films. Uh, I've not seen number three, but I like one and two. I think going into it, my expectations. I've I've seen the first one a good few times. I have I've only seen the second one a couple of times, so I'm looking forward to kind of delving into that one a little bit more because it's quite tricky to follow once you get going. But we'll we'll get to that. You know, the Godfather stands as my first one, <laughs> is is my favourite one, uh, and I I don't expect that to change throughout our day. But you never know. Maybe I'll love part three. Third one still to come. George Hamilton. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see. So it's tricky to follow, which means we have to be alert for nine hours. Yeah, just nine nine hours I think plus. we should not have an embargo on. For Phones, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, laser-like precision. Okay. Well, acting chops. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're pumped up. We're ready to go. <laughs> what time is it, Mike? The time is just gone ten o'clock, ten o one on this uh, Dreek Saturday morning. We're going to go to the mattresses on this one, and we'll see you in a few hours uh, to to give you our thoughts on The Godfather. We've uh, stuffed ourselves on cannoli and red wine, and uh, here we are, having sat through the 175 minutes of The Godfather. Andy, this is probably viewing number, oh, what, 20 for you? I'd say about 20, yeah. Is Does it still hold up? 
Oh, still great. Um, I think we were pulling out little things that maybe we hadn't seen before, you mm-hmm. know, dead bodies in cars that otherwise had maybe escaped our attention. And, and sometimes for me it was just little relationships where I was sort of piecing things together. I was, I was really impressed with some of John's um, workings out as he went along. You know, he, he, he twigged for most of the stuff that I maybe only picked up on fifth or sixth viewing. Um, so, yeah. What a lovely amount of condescension. Thank you. <laughs> Well, John, going to you, I suppose there's only, in terms of, of us who have seen it a good few times, there's only so much, you know, how how much can you bang on about how good these films are? But I, I suppose you looking at it with fresh eyes might be able to to offer something else. And you're not you're not one that's uh, necessarily bought into it. You're not you're not hmm. going to treat it with this sort of reverence that perhaps Andy and I do. So, uh, uh, initial thoughts, having just watched it. Uh, enjoyed it more than I thought I would, oh, okay. to be honest. That's um, a win. Hmm? That's a win for That's me. A win. But I wasn't blown away by it, I guess. Um, I felt it was quite long. <laughs> uh, I felt it could have it could have been edited down a little bit more. Maybe that's the the subtlety and the nuance that I would miss on first watch. Quite confusing. Mm-hmm. Quite complicated. Well, I don't know if it was complicated, but it was difficult to keep track of everybody. Mm-hmm. So, and so given that it took you four or five minutes to do a synopsis on Fight Club, could you mm. could you tell us what happened? This is not a test, just just so we can giggle. So it is a test. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a test because we're going to laugh no matter what. Right. Yeah. He right. Uh, there's a wedding. Okay. Right. We established that before they even watched it. Sure. Um, where. The Godfather, who is Marlon Brando, um, has to do <laughs> what everybody asks of him on the, on the Grant's day. wishes, like yeah. a Sicilian genie. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. unless it's, uh, it's unreasonable. Uh, lots of people come and ask him for things. His son is there, Michael, played by Al Pacino. And I said at the time, I thought it was quite nice to see Al Pacino doing a little bit of acting, rather than just shouting. Um, then oh, I don't know, kind of. Yeah, it's it's gangster stuff, isn't it? It's mafia, and then he dies, and his son takes over. Yeah, there's a wee bit in, in between, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, not twenty five minutes. Yes, yeah, you've got the bit with Salotso who turns up, the Turk who's good with a knife, and he's got drug connections, and he he wants Brando to help him out with all these things. People have seen the film; they don't need a synopsis. Yeah. Of no, I just yeah. want to get the no. job. Yeah, there's a well, yeah, there's a lot of it, obviously, that I skated over. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But I suppose it's the it's um, the old way. Making way for the for the new the, the new way of, of of working, and I suppose with the introduction of drugs into America, that's the main pivotal point. And sure, the God uh, the Godfather um, Corleone doesn't want to be involved in drugs, and he's quite um, decent about it. I thought he mm-hmm. was quite you know wishes him well. Yeah, so long as it doesn't interfere with my business, doesn't then conflict. you can you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't having it, and sure. then. They, they tried to assassinate him and he survived that uh, and in that point the drug guys what are they called? <laughs> the Tartellis is, it, is the, it the Tartellis? The, that, that's the family that's, yeah. that's Carlos' family so, so lots of, oh yeah <laughs> <That's the> shit <laughs> uh, so lots of his, uh, the his second mob. Danny DeVito referenced uh, Bruno Tartaglia yeah right. yeah so they want to yeah, they have him assassinated and then they try to try to kill him. And in the in the absence, they um, uh, pick up on the fact that Sonny mm. is interested 
in the deal. He's hot on the deal. He's hot for the deal. He's hot for the deal. And then, yeah, it all kind of falls apart a little bit. Sure. And you, you mentioned the, an interesting thing that you, you pick up on, and it was something that I picked up on in that viewing more than others. It's like this kind of the old way of uh, Don Vito Corleone and, oh. and this new way, which is kind of going to be dr- ushered in with drugs. And I, it's quite funny how all the other families seem to be on board with it, and they see it as the future, and they sort of see it as leaving the past behind. And yet they're almost caught out by this new way as well because they're not quite ready for uh, Michael Corleone. Or, or his way of doing things, which is, you know, completely, there's no respect. I'm just going to have you all swept out of the way and uh, we're going to do things my way from now on. I think yeah. looking at it in a sort of wider narrative, the whole story, and it, it, it's fleshed out really well in the second one, is uh, the story of immigration um, in Coppola's family, or, or all immigrants, and most of the actors' family will probably be immigrants first or second generation. If you look at it, it starts off with the wonderful scene of just the undertaker's head, and it's him saying, I believe in America. And he's a first-generation immigrant who's eventually let down by the justice system. And what do you do when you are in that position and you've got no other recourse but to have to go and offer your friendship to this illegitimate power? And and, um, as time goes on, um, what happens to these power structures and how do they become part of the system and establish themselves? Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that Vito wanted his son to go on to become a senator or a a congressman or whatever. Mm -hmm. So... Even though Vito Corleone is quite conservative and that he doesn't want drugs, it's for a legitimate reason. It's not just keeping the old ways for the sake of the old ways. He knows that his mm-hmm. time is over. So he seeds power early, which few people ever do. You know, that's why everybody else gets shot and he dies a natural death. I suppose there's reference to that as well, though, when Mike is talking to Kay and he says, you know, it's... Because he references a, a senator and a president and stuff like that. You know, that's what... That's what my dad was like, hmm. and it's the it's the parallel, I suppose, between legitimate power structures and well, there's there's the brilliant line where she says, "Oh, you're so naive." Yeah, presidents and congressmen don't have people killed, and she he replies, "Who's being naive now, Kate?" Yeah. What is that? Is that what happened? I didn't. Yeah, Michael I, spoke over that line, but it was a really good line. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Michael felt the need to say they're walking very slowly. Oh, yeah. Well, that I mean, that is it is an effort to walk that slowly. <laughs> Nobody just. It might be a slightly slowly. better line though. Yeah. True. Yeah, no, I, I did notice that I was uh, talking over it a little bit more, which is something we've done in the past ones because we're familiar with the films. Mm. But yeah, feel free to tell us to shut up at Not points right. in the it, next films. It gives me a bit of insight into the whole thing. I'm yeah. always going, who's he again? Yeah. What's, what's yeah, his I, name? So. I, I think that is very helpful because I think it's a kind of a trope of gangster gangster films quite a lot. You know, They're always throwing names at you. I've got a meeting with this guy. I've got a meeting with this yeah. guy. Take, tell that oh, guy to go to the next Scorsese loves it where they'll go, no, we've got to go see Joey Two Fingers mm-hmm. and Polly Three Hats and you yeah. get the papers, get the papers. And to an extent, it, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need to know your Barzini's from your No, I think the thing is, they did keep it from the book, and there's so many little things from mm-hmm. the book that they keep in that they don't especially mention, like Michael padding his face after he's been punched because he's got a bit of a dribbly lip. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to have that. That was just there because clearly they really liked the source material, and you know they wanted to have their characters grounded in a truth that wasn't necessarily explicitly stated. I think it does a really good job as well. You know, you obviously have your main characters. You've got uh, Vito Corleone and, and Michael and Sonny and all of them. But I think it does a really good job of letting you know about the, the secondary characters with a kind of limited screen time, having the benefit of reading the book. You know a little bit more about Luca Brazzi, but in the book, I mean, he's a, he's 
basically the personification of the devil. He's like burning children alive in furnaces that, and things. That really stuck with me. He keeps getting women knocked up, and then he, as soon as the babies are born, he just goes and snatches them, throws them in furnaces. So he's a vicious, a vicious guy. guy. And you get, and obviously, you don't quite get that feeling about him in the film, but you still, he has a, he has he's a presence about him. Definitely. I mean, Captain McCluskey is a, a great example. Uh, Sterling Hayden, who plays him, and I think he's played like a, a grizzled police chief and other things mm. that you've talked about. But I, I feel like he does a really good job of, you know, he's only got two or three scenes, but you really hate him. You mm. really, he's a real bastard. He's contemptuous. He's contemptuous, absolutely. So I th- I, that's just one of the things that I really appreciate this time, the sort of attention to the secondary characters. I made a, started making a list because that, that's what I zoned in on as well, and I picked out five or six <laughs> that I really liked. I liked Buenos Aires. I thought his performance at the beginning with his opening speech and his sweatiness and his uncomfortableness in a, a, a new scenario I really loved. Um, Luca Brazzi, also great. Jack Waltz, who had some wonderful costume changes. This was a great performance. <laughs> Sharply dressed guy. That was yeah. such a nice jacket. <laughs> uh, Police Chief and... Oh, I can't even read my writing. Uh, Mo Green. I, I, I really love Mo Green. Dad from the, go- uh, from the Wonder Years. I feel like you might have been influenced by some of our feelings on the things. I mean, uh, one character who I, I don't attempt to hide my contempt for at all is uh, Fredo. Uh-huh. How, how, did, how did you find him? Um, he was just quite useless. Um, pretty obsequious, I thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, a bit weaselly. But uh, I liked him more by the end when they were... Was it Vegas mm-hmm. uh, that, that they were in? I, I felt he had he was a bit more fleshed out rather than just uh, an incompetent I was surprised film. how little sort of screen time he actually had he's not really in it all that no. much he sort of comes in a few scenes and he, he sits down with his with a sort of hangdog expression mm-hmm. um, and I think my views of Fredo are especially fleshed out due to the closing 45 minutes of the film and in the second one where he gets an awful lot more screen time he certainly comes out of his shell in Vegas uh, oh yeah but uh, I, I don't I don't think I like him out of his shell he's a he's just a little lap dog to Mo Green. Well, Fredo's the only character that I knew by name, right? Other than Thank you. have you? Look, I, I looked up his IMDb, and and he's got the best hit rate of films ever. He's made five films: Godfather <laughs> One, Godfather Two, The Conversation, Dog Day Afternoon, and the, was the yeah the Deer Hunter. Right. <laughs> is that all he's done? He did this like, is one other Cazale. film. Yeah, he had he was heavily cancer ridden and never saw the oh, Deer right. Hunter get uh, released. Right. And I think he made one other film, like sort of a James Dean style effort, where he was in it for just a few tiny seconds. Those five films. That's it. It's a good hit rate, doesn't it? That's pretty decent. That's, that's five good films. That's five Shh. decent films. Well, you haven't seen The Godfather Part Two, so we don't know. That, that's true. Four yeah. and a possible. So I'm assuming, spoiler alert, that he gets killed in the second one and he's not in the. Third. No, because he died. <laughs> the Deer Hunter was like 78, and The Godfather Part Three oh, gets okay. made in 1990. Ah, okay. So, so it's all up in the air. Yes, it's open ended. Well, yes. I guess we'll find out soon enough. We will. All right. Well, Ed, before we wrap up. Any any highlights from the twentieth watching there, Andy? That's uh, maybe hasn't been a highlight before. Anything you really enjoyed from it? I always enjoy, but especially enjoyed today, the blood coming out of Mo Green's glasses when he gets shot through the the eye. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that because I think it's just a tube running up through the leg, but it's, it's just it's great. very watery. It's 1970s mm. blood. It looks a lot like Jalo blood. It's got mm. that sort of consistency. It's not the same sort of colours of the screens. It doesn't come out the same, but it mm. really looks like you could be watching uh, uh, an Argento film. John, was our highlight for you a character or a moment? Uh, anything that really stood out? Carlo's outfit when he was getting his ass handy to him by Sonny. <laughs> um, one of the potentially crappiest fights in, yeah. in, uh, sure. in the cinematic history. Andy had already sent me the link, um, and it was one of the reasons why I had decided not 
to watch the <laughs> I can't imagine why that would put you so off. I was like, oh man, this looks rubbish. But his outfit was um, uh, was peachy. It was. In more ways than one. It was a real sweatsuit. You could imagine that, that would be like a business suit, but you could have also went out for a jog in the morning. But it was like in the middle of summer, and it looked yeah. like it's it's too warm. And there was kids in the fire hydrants. Once again, it's 1945, so there's guys going about in three-piece suits, like thick yeah. wool suits, because that's yeah. just what you do. He had that beating coming in anyway, obviously, because he's he's beating up his wife. Deserves it all the more for for wearing that sort of outfit. Yeah. Sure. Did we get? A, did we take a, a a count on the number of Coppola members that feature in the film? Uh, so I did. Talia Shire. Yeah. There's a bunch. Like I was on the IMDb trivia page just looking, and there's like, yeah, there's a bunch. There's Talia Shire. We got Sofia Coppola as the baby at the end. Yeah. His uh, mum's there. His uncles in there. Like his most dad of them are plays like back the piano. Right. Yeah, they're mostly background members, but the, yeah, there's a fair few in there. Sure, and what was your fact about George Lucas that I liked? George Lucas uh, put together the, the sort of montage which takes place right after um, Salozzo and McCluskey have been shot and uh, Michael's fled to Italy and they have the, I, th- I think they call it the, the going to the mattress sequence mm. where basically war is broken out in the families and it has the newspaper headlines reporting on all the, the deaths and gangland shootings and stuff and I, apparently George Lucas put that one together. Some of his strongest work. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shows why, restraint. Why is it called going to the mattresses? Because you would get holed up in an apartment, oh, and they would just okay. fill it out with mattresses, and they would have hoods in there, and then they would go out on the streets and shoot at other bad guys. So that's that's what that is. It isn't what you thought it was when we said that me, you, and Mike should go to the mattresses. <laughs> yeah, you had this horrible image yeah. that we'd be all snuggled up on a bed watching the film. Yeah, it's like Morgan Wise. <laughs> well, look, as I say, I mean, we could go on all day, and you know, look, we haven't touched on Brando method acting with the cat at the beginning which was entirely improvised we haven't really talked about the restaurant sequence which is fantastic you mentioned it's great to see Pacino doing a bit of acting instead of shouting and I think that restaurant scene is a really good good outlet for that it's all in the eyes really I think all that's terrific you know we could go on and on and all about that we haven't talked about oranges and how uh, Vito Corleone seems to be have a problem with them but I, I think there's probably enough great things um that have been said about the Godfather, so I, I think the, the re- reactions as and the being able to compare them to the ones as we watch them back to back is what we'll go for. With that in mind, I think we'll draw a line under the Godfather and we'll take a step back and we'll we'll jump three years into the future to 1975 to talk about the Godfather Part Two. I think the Godfather Part Two is 1974. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did the exact same thing with the Pulp Fiction one. I said it was released in 1995, and the guy corrected me. I was like, how dare you correct me? (laughs) But I think we'll draw a line under that and jump two years into the future. 1974 and The Godfather Part 2. Michael, it's your kids. (laughs) It's your kids. (laughs) Leave that in. Oh, boy. Michael, is it true? Don't ask me about my business, Kate. Is it true? Don't ask me about my business. No! One time I let you ask me about my affairs. 
I guess we both need a drink, huh? Okay, so The Godfather Part 2, 1974. A lot of the cast returning, certainly to reprise their roles in, in flashbacks and in other senses. But then we're, we're treated to sort of a dual time structure in this one, where we kind of see the humble beginnings of Vito Corleone, and we see Robert De Niro taking up the role as the, as the young Don. That's good, so it's more confusing than the first one. It's more confusing, <laughs> yeah. Were you aware of the, the different time for the first uh, one? For part two? Yes. No. No, I didn't. It really is the birth of the Genesis film within a film. Right. If you were left wanting more from The Godfather Part 1, there is an extra 15, 25 minutes to The Godfather Part 2. So uh, something to look forward to. (laughs) Some names to look out for. Uh, Hyman Roth, Pentangeli is another name that you want to look out for. Senator Pat Geary and Don Francesco are all are all people of importance in this film. Okay. Everyone, there'll be other names thrown out there, but those are the real ones to to think of. Again, Andy, this slightly less familiar territory for me. I've only seen this a couple of times. I'm assuming and presuming that you've seen The Godfather Part Two a good few times. Sure, I've I've seen it enough times that the the, the really confusing stuff because it's it's quite well delineated and and the stories are quite chunked so you, you can sort of solve them each on their own. The only bit that's really confusing is sort of where they go to Cuba and the stuff with Hyman Roth and you try to work out quite what the deal is but it doesn't matter because the thing with the Godfather is you very rarely ever actually see the crimes that are their bread and butter you never see the racketeering or the, the girls or the, the whatever else so just just don't try and solve that and just, just float along with the rest of it Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, going to be good fun it's going to be a bit of a labyrinth. Uh, this won six Oscars, so if you were against the first one for winning a few Oscars, this one, yeah. this one really got the praise. Uh, best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for De Niro, who didn't boycott the ceremony uh, for being a supporting actor. Uh, director, Writing, Art Direction and Dramatic Score for uh, Nino Rota as well for his wonderful work. Uh, with a budget of $13 million estimated and a gross of $102 million worldwide. And the film is number three on the IMDb Top 250 Films of All Time. So, is that higher or lower than the first one? I think I the think first one's number two. I think the first one's number two as well. I think Shawshank. Shawshank's number one because oh, yeah. nobody dislikes Shawshank. Yeah, Nobody's going to say a bad, especially bad thing about Shawshank. So it, it gets good ratings on IMDb. And mm. fair play, it's not the best film of all time, but it's the favourite film of people that don't really like films. It's the least offensive film of all time. <laughs> I think it's like the Beautiful South. Nobody really hates it, but it's you're not going to fucking you just don't like that especially. What the band? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What, the movie The Beautiful South? <laughs> no, just what, what outdated reference. <laughs> yeah. I thought I would draw that one. It's kind of yeah. within the time of the show, of Shawshank Redemption. Well, it, is. Yeah, it just shows you, uh, gives you an insight into Andy's record collection <laughs> as well. <laughs> Alright, there's no time for all of this. Uh, right, uh, so The Godfather Part 2, 200 minutes, we will be going into that. We're going to go, uh, we're going to take a nice little fishing trip on a nice wee rowboat and maybe, maybe one of us won't come back. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
history of two generations of crime. The drama of absolute power and the men who violate it. The Godfather, part two. What is your name? Don Vito Corleone and his son, Michael. Both had seen the ones they loved most cut down before their eyes. Both had killed as an act of vengeance. Both commanded the most powerful and merciless crime organization in the world. Is it true that in the year 1950, you devised the murder of the heads of the so-called five families in New York? It's a complete falsehood. They would take any measures. I mean, you've won. You want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. Just my enemies. Make any arrangement. Michael? Bigger than U.S. steel. Order any death to protect the empire they controlled. The Godfather and his heir. Both were men of ice and both were targets. Please, please stay inside. Keep them alive. We'll try. Marco! Alive! The Godfather Part 2 is Sicily in 1921. And Nevada in 1958. It is revolution in Havana. And rubouts in New York. It is manipulation. It would be like trying to kill the president. There's no way we can get to it. If anything in this life is certain, if history's taught us anything, it says you can kill anyone. It is murder. And it is betrayal. It was a son, a son, and I had it killed because this must all end. The Godfather Part Two is the final chapter in the violent history of the Corleone crime family. It is the motion picture masterpiece of the year. All right, well... I mean, we're two films in. It feels like it's been something of an eternity. Uh, before we get to talk about The Godfather Part 2, here we are, six hours into it or whatever. Uh, probably best to, to check on everybody's general health and happiness. Uh, Andy, how, how are you holding up there, buddy? I was flagging about an hour and 40 minutes to two hour, two and a half hours <laughs> through that movie and I was like I'm not having fun this is quite difficult and I can feel that the guys are sort of struggling to follow and even though I am following it I, I don't enjoy this part of it as much mm. but it, it picked up as soon as um, the, the Cuba scenes were over you got some good courtroom action you got a bit more of the, the fun stuff back in the old world you had a nice comic scene um, so I think that got a little bit of energy going but I'm tired I'm tired John how are you feeling? 
Yeah, much the same. Uh, pretty exhausted. I had the luxury of a little doze. Oh, did you? I didn't even notice. <laughs> my my head was bobbing a little bit as um, Don Corleone was kicking about the streets of um, New York. Um, yeah, it's uh, that was a struggle. Yeah. Let me reassure you, Godfather Part Two is a good film. I, I, I see now, and perhaps I should have known this beforehand. That was n- these are not the conditions to w- to watch it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I can only apologise. What did you think of that movie, though, John? Like, just as a uh, given your mindset right now, it's a little bit hazy. But just on the, that that viewing alone, uh, I was lost for most of it. Okay. Uh, it came well. I wasn't lost. There was bits of it that I thought. I can't really keep up with what's going on. But then it explained it later on, um, and it all kind of wrapped up. It sure, I mean, you're not meant to know for chunks of it, because he's, he's playing... Every, there's the little circle going on where he goes to Hyman Roth and he says, it's this guy, and then he goes he, to Pantangeli and he says, it's Hyman Roth, and then he goes to... you know, Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even that, I, I was... Just, I wasn't too clear on the fact that that's what he was doing until... Sure, you, I've seen it a lot. And until you pointed it out. I have a diagram. <laughs> yeah, just I, as well. I need a flowchart somewhere. Sure. Um, this is like primer, but a little bit more mental. Yes. Um, yeah. I still, it was it was overly long. I mm. think I think the pacing of both of them. Maybe it's because it's you know I've never seen them and I'm used to like more modern films, but the pacing still seems a little bit slow. It could do we getting chunks of it taken out I thought they started they started off quite action filled from you know they, they start off with the assassination attempt within a few minutes right mm-hmm. well you open with um, young young De Niro young Corleone and his escape from from Italy it's not actually young De Niro they yeah, didn't like they didn't film it in like 1942 yeah, with a nine Corleone. year old yeah. so De then Niro. his escape from <laughs> Italy his escape from Italy uh, and going, going moving to New York as a as a young whippersnapper, and then it then it cuts uh, to Be, being hidden in a donkey, being a hidden in a holiday donkey. donkey. They also did a wonderful job of hiding the fact that he was Vito Andolini from Corleone by changing his name to Vito Corleone, so that the people searching for him could never ever find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then jump to well, present day in the film anyway, and uh, young young Anthony. Son of Michael is his uh, commu- communion. Did he long communion yeah, or I confirmation? Think, I think it was his first Holy Communion. His there first Holy Communion. Again, just as the, the first film began, it kind of begins with this big celebration. Interesting contrast between the big celebration that opens the first film and the second film. You know, you've got a, a politician giving a speech. You've got the uh, the FBI being fed. Get beer and sandwiches. Beer and, and beer and sandwiches. And then, and just gener- with the music, it's been kind of replaced with the the, Itali- the traditional Italian music's gone and when they try and get that started up again it turns into a rendition of Pop Goes the Weasel things have changed this is this is definitely a different uh, Corleone family than we are used to from the first film I think they're, they're constantly in flux though that's the point things are always changing you're always going from new world to old world from first generation to second generation and, and onward so I, I think it's it's more of the same from that regard and then from that day there's a, a later that day there's an assassination attempt on Michael his home is attacked the big machine guns through the window and the first real part of the film is kind of Michael going round and there's various parties who could be responsible and in a way in a sense he's trying to as you say, keep his friends close and his enemies closer. I didn't say that. Somebody else said it first. (laughs) It's in the film. I just stole that line to make myself look smart. I really enjoyed that part. I think I was probably a bit fresher at that part. You know, I I, I thought thought the film did a really good job of kind of 
keeping its cards close to its chest you know with Michael going round it was a, you know it's smart on what it reveals and how it reveals it and it's almost like Michael's playing off everyone and also playing off the audience to kind of keep you guessing sure but you're still sort of left dumbfounded because you're trying to work out whether or not it's important whatever these business deals are and how everybody's making all they had to say was oh we're going to smuggle drugs or we're going to do numbers or something like that but you you want to know what these deals are and how these people make their money and it seems like it should be important but it's not yeah it? you, you well no it's not because no. I didn't understand any of that but still got hopefully the point of, of what was largely what was going on what was the point of what was going on John uh, it's about cakes right yeah. <laughs> Lots and lots of cakes. So many cakes. Make sure everyone sees this cake before you chop it up. And the cannolis as well, which you never actually saw, but that's a type of cake. Very good. Mm. From from that segment, we then uh, go back to the past. We get a bit of an origin story. We get, you know, The Godfather begins with Robert De Niro and how he goes from a, a, a plucky young deli worker to, to the great man that we see in the first film. Uh, did that... You say you were drifting at that point, John. Was it, mm. Did that part do anything for you? Uh, I wasn't drifting because it was boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I was drifting because just energy levels were low. But sure. There was a, I, I suppose with both parts of the film, and it's often that you get, I often experience this when you've got dual storylines, it's like you become quite invested in it and then it stops and cuts the other one. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I was hoping to get some sort of resolution to that. And then you have to change your, you know, get back to the story and, and change your, your kind of pacing or mindset or whatever. But, um, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Again, I think it could probably have been condensed, a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter. I was th- thinking of the usual suspects at that point in the story of Kaiser Soze, oh, as okay. opposed to, you know, and how very very quickly that that's that's explained. Oh sure, yeah, that's um, done. Is there even any direct dialogue in that, or is that just Kevin Spacey doing the voiceover for it in lots of shadowy, yeah, hairy men? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what version you've got, um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any actual. I'm just thinking of. I'm just thinking of porno titles that would work in with the Usual Suspects. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I but can't, we can't really just shout them out. Sure. Send them in, viewers. If you can think up any uh, Saving Ryan's private style um, porno titles for the Usual Suspects. So, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> hey, there's a safe edit. As as we say, uh, as I, as I said, I don't think watching them back to back is necessarily how they how they should be. Although there there is like a super mega cut. They were like edited together for TV or something like that. Oh I, yeah. I believe which I I don't recommend doing. But I, one of the benefits for me that I took from this viewing was kind of the similarities between De Niro's Vito Corleone and his his first kill, I suppose, and and Michael's first kill in the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I hadn't noticed before. Uh, you know, it's it's them sort of taking this chance and killing somebody that people say, "Oh, you can't you can't get to him. He's untouchable. He's unkillable." You know, we've just got to fall in line with him. Or he's he questions why do we have to pay this guy in the same way that Michael was like, "Where is it written that we can't kill a police captain?" And similarities, the kind of unexpected attack with a concealed weapon, and I liked getting that from this reading. Yeah. And also at the end of. Uh, Godfather 2 when he's saying you know you can't kill him it's like there's nobody that can't be killed mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. it's impossible to kill him it's sure and we'll see that as we continue on uh, The Godfather 3 goes heavily in for the number of references to the previous films with sets and just the way characters hold themselves um, the fact that The Godfather Part 2 can do that and still come away and be a good film is because the rest of it's a good film 
whether or not The Godfather 3 can carry that off is whether or not The Godfather 3 is a good film. We talked about Pacino and his uh, getting to show his acting chops a little bit in the first film. Here we're seeing a little bit more of his more trademark shouting. Definitely a couple of scenes where we, we get a bit more of a shouty Pacino. But uh, still still the acting's there. You know, Again, a lot of great work with the eyes. And I, I think was going to say, it's justifiable and undoubtedly his angriest. I mean, yeah. he is... He is laughably angry but very genuine when Kay keeps on saying it was an abortion Michael it was an abortion it was abortion Michael it was a boy it was an abortion and he is so angry with his eyes um, and he, he, he's a bit shouty at other points but it's justifiable and he, he's able to keep a, a, a lid in it for the most part but yeah some scary eye work again that harkens back to the first film I mean right before he kills Salazzo and and McCluskey it is all in the eyes you know the train coming in the background building up in the background and just the eyes darting about the place so yeah another another good wee callback sure uh, John any things in the film just little one off points where you went I like that that's a fun thing any shining light <laughs> Mike did you have any shining lights in the film because well, I had a few off the top of my head no it's, oh, see if we can inspire it's it. noticeably not quite as it's not got like those iconic moments of the first film which we didn't even really touch on as we said we didn't really talk about the horse's head in the bed no. you know we didn't talk too much about the, the restaurant sequence or Sonny being gunned down at the toll booth and I think mm-hmm. those are all really iconic moments here there, there's nothing quite as as showy as that on display I and think I think there's that's lots of, intentional there's lots of set pieces but no you're right there, there, there's not as many bits of that but I still think there are iconic things I think De Niro stalking Finucci along mm-hmm. the, the rooftop I think all those scenes are beautiful yeah. it, it is just it's just a rooftop and some, some chimneys and De Niro uh, climbing over them as he goes but it looks brilliant because it's not the sort of thing that you'll usually see um, but it is set piece laden like I say mm-hmm. um, other things I liked I loved Fredo's suit in Cuba <laughs> he looks like Michael Jackson the smooth criminal video yeah we've been appreciating the wardrobes there actually yeah. I uh, like his, his kind of gold check black and gold check oh when one. he first shows up mm, in the, the, the communion the one yeah it's great mm. and it's quite it's the high waisted trousers as well yeah yeah it's very nice uh, Don Finucci's white suit and everything Don Finucci does when Don Finucci um, De Niro gives him the hundred dollars and he takes it off and he slams it down incredibly quickly he's brilliant when he first hops up onto the car as well (laughs) that's very good indeed as well he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a star as old Don Finucci do we think John since these are your first viewings of the movie um, I think a criticism that's that's often thrown at the Godfather and we've certainly done at the time was that it glamorises uh, a mob lifestyle and violence and crime because it's one of the first films that would really show uh, the mafia from the inside as opposed to the policeman going off to try and catch him at the FBI so do you think that the second or do you think the first one glamorises it and do you think that perhaps the second one is a little bit darker and shows sort of the turmoil and the, the outcomes of, of being a bad person uh, I have difficulty with with that idea where people say they glamorise certain things like people say for example Trainspot and glamorises just what I was thinking which it doesn't at all no, and it climbs I down a toilet yeah and I don't think that these necessarily glamorise um, I mean the part of the lifestyle is very glamorous you know you've got your um, who's the guy Frank Sinatra Johnny Fontaine Johnny, Johnny Fontaine these are obviously quite glamorous uh, things to be happening the clothes and, and where, where they're going I don't think that the actual story or the people are particularly or the situations that they're in they're not glamorous or they're not nice you know it's quite like you say it's a turmoil I guess um, Godfather 2 is to the Godfather what empire 
strikes back it's the Star Wars you know where it gets dark and it people start getting killed and you know significant characters start um, other than Sonny obviously in the first one and Vito Corleone and, yeah and Vito Corleone but yeah but, um, so yeah I guess I, I mean I don't think that it glamorises it I think that it all seems nobody seems particularly happy in this mm-hmm. at any point you know there's at least in the first one there's a bit of celebration in the wedding and, and everything and there's people falling in love and in this one it's just Misery and sure. Well, I think it's showing that um, paradox of need to get the power to get the happiness, but once you've got the power, then yeah. you've not got that chance of happiness because yeah. you've pushed people away by your actions. I'd say Scorsese is probably more guilty of showing the glamorous side of, of the of the uh, gangster world. He does more of a soundtrack. All he has to do is put the stones in the background. Yeah. And somebody walk along the street and instantly you go, but he's cool. But but even in you know in things like Goodfellas and Casino, there's a lot more examples of people like enjoying that lifestyle. Mm. There's not an awful yeah. lot of that in The Godfather. You know, in the first one, no. it's like about going to the mattresses and these people and the guys having to hunker down in these grotty apartments and eating yeah. out big pots of food. There, 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 there seems to be consequence in mm-hmm. The Godfather. And yeah. less so in, in uh, Scorsese and even in their opulence they're still hemmed in yeah. you know like they, they can't leave the compound not just Kay not being able to go off and get groceries but even Michael has to go out with guards mm-hmm. um, in the first one so there's that sort of gilded cage effect this is what I think I, I have a problem with um, mafia movies in a large part when you say when they're hemmed in that's something that I feel uh, I really don't enjoy about these movies is the fact that there's obligation and there's responsibility and all these kinds of things that are, you know, beyond what you know. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to kill my brother or whatever. Um, so you like Han Solo, who can just be <clears throat> a rogue? Yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's fine. And also, I find it quite difficult to sympathise with the characters uh, in these films because mm-hmm. of that. And I think the person in this film that I, I sympathised most with was Fredo because he was a bit of a, a loser. You know, I don't yeah. not necessarily sympathise, but you know, could yeah. could um could connect with because you know he did things that were you know wrong. He was on the outside and he had to be kind of brought back in, not to paraphrase. So there's a lot of that that I find quite un unenjoyable to watch. Yeah, and I, I, I think. Um even by the end of it, when Michael Corleone has defeated all of his enemies and he seemingly has all the power and everything he's ever wanted, you know, he's not in a position where I don't think you're like envying him. You're like, oh, yes, he's he's won. He doesn't feel like a winner at the end of the film because no. he's, I mean, you have that great flashback right at the end with all the family around and you're just reminded of everyone that's not there anymore and the, the price he's had to pay. It's not exactly a, I don't think it's something to aspire to despite the power. No, I don't think we should go for it, Mike. I, th- okay. I think we had we had plans okay. when we were young, but we'll just we'll just stick to movie podcasts. Right, fair that days. might lead to power. Fair dues. I also think just on a kind of side note, before I forget, when you're talking about the conditions in which to watch these films, by the time we get to where we're at just now, um, the end of, of the second one, I think that if you'd watched them over a couple of years or months or whatever, and in, in terms of when they were released you would feel by the end of this one that you'd been on a quite a long and difficult and exhausting journey. We've been on <laughs> an exhausting journey, but it's not been a... Sure, you'd have lived with the characters. One. Exactly, yeah. And they would, have, they would have resonated a little bit. Whereas it's a bit like the Big Brother house right now. Well, Just constantly uh, surrounded by them. A little bit. But there's a, the point where um, uh, Michael just sits back on the chair just before the flashback and he's... Um, just after Fredo's been shot 
and he collapses into the chair and he kind of you know, mm, lies exhausted. back exhausted and I can imagine having you know been with the character for maybe two or three years when they were released in the cinema that it would have felt like that sure I mean it's a bit like the uh, the apocryphal tale about Alexander weeping for there were no left no worlds left to conquer yeah. except Michael's just <clears throat> desolate whereas at least Alexander seemed to have done something with his life I didn't see that film <laughs> <laughs> he said that you were being tough on the negotiations, but if they could get a little help and close the deal fast, it it'll be good for the family. You believe that story? You believe that? He said there was something in it for me, on my own. I've always taken care of you, Fredo. Taking care of me? You're my kid brother, and you take care of me? Did you ever think about that? Huh? Did you ever once think about that? Send Fredo off to do this, send Fredo off to do that. Let Fredo take care of some Mickey Mouse nightclub somewhere. Send Fredo to pick somebody up at the airport. I'm your older brother, Mike, and I was stepped over. That's the way Pop wanted it. It ain't the way I wanted it! I can handle things, I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb, I'm smart and I want respect. Is there anything you can tell me about this investigation? Anything more? Senate lawyer, Questad. He belongs to Roth. Fredo. You're nothing to me now. You're not a brother. You're not a friend. I don't want to know you or what you do. I don't want to see you at the hotels. I don't want you near my house. When you see our mother, I want to know a day in advance so I won't be there. Well, where does he go from here? Well, we are going to find out very shortly. The rest of the world had to wait another 16 years for the, the third part, the final part. I got the, the gap in time right this time for the Godfather... <laughs> <laughs> for the Godfather Part 3, which was released in 1990, with, once again, Al Pacino returning in his role as Michael Corleone. We also see the addition of Andy Garcia, Eli Wallach, Joey Mantin... Joey Mantegna 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 George Hamilton Bridget Fonda Sofia Coppola all all pop up in in this one budget of 54 million taking a a worldwide gross of about 136 million seven Oscar nominations with a big fat zero wins it's widely regarded as the weakest one Andy we're tired I dare say we don't really want to sit down for a 162 minute film you're the only one that has seen this film 
how bad can we expect it to be? So here's my theory on The Godfather Part 3. Uh, usually what you hear when you hear people talk about it, or talk about the trilogy, is go, oh, the first two are great, first two are great, really great films. And um, the third one, on its own, is actually a really good film. If you've never seen the other ones, then you go, it's a really good film. It's, it's, it's on its own, it's fine. It's really not. It's good if you've seen the first two and you can sort of go, oh, that was where that scene was shot, or oh, uh, Andy Garcia doing that is a callback to Sonny, or uh, things like that. It's only a good film because of the things that have gone before it. They're the only enjoyable parts to it. It's confusing. The the acting in it is really ropey. Uh, it misses Tom Hagen because George Hamilton's awful. Sofia Coppola is is just appalling, and her storyline is it's uncomfortable. I can understand why it's in there. It's got sort of links to the Borgias, who the the Godfather family is based on, but it's it's just unpleasant to watch. So you're saying with all the callbacks and whatnot, watching it directly after the first two is uh, the ideal time to it's, watch The Godfather Part I don't part think three. there has ever been a better time than right now to watch The Godfather Part 3. Uh, John, before we get into it, <laughs> expectations, hopes, fears for the next 162 minutes? Uh, I fear that I won't doze off during this one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yep, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. To be honest, but it's been manageable so far. You know, I'm still alive. So do films right. ever do well after a 16-year gap in a, an incredible amount of, of uh, expectation? Yeah, Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> what Phantom Menace? Yeah. Has it, has it been 16 years since Star know. Wars three, and now that we've got About all the expectation then. for the? No, it's only been like 11 years, I think. Yeah. 11 or 12. We all have high hopes for Star Wars, though, right, yeah. guys? It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Well, anyway, the time now... Oh, I wanted to have Star Wars chat. Well, we'll, we'll come back for that one. We might have to do it after watching this movie. It's 5.02, just when I thought... Uh, it's 5.03! <laughs> it's 5.02 <laughs> in the afternoon, just when I thought I was out. They've pulled me back in for one more watch. Off we go for The Godfather Part 3. See you in a little bit. Woohoo! And now... Paramount Pictures presents the continuation of Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo's legendary saga. I betrayed my wife. I betrayed myself. I killed men. And I ordered men to be killed. I ordered the death of my brother. He injured me. I killed my mother's son. I killed my father's son. We've sold the casinos. All businesses having to do with gambling. We have no interests or investments in anything illegitimate. Don Corleone. The Corleone family, partners with the Pope. They may cry blasphemy. This is business. I know you're into banks and Wall Street, but everyone knows you're the final word. You're like the Supreme Court. All I want to do is protect you from these guys, and your lawyers can't do that. I said we make him dead, you give me the order, I'll take care of it. I command this family 
right or wrong. You know, Michael, now that you're so respectable, I think you're more dangerous than you ever were. Our true enemy has not yet shown his face. If every drug pusher in this room were to drop dead, I would be the only one alive. Well, you tell for me he can live or he can die, you understand? Will you shut up? Will you shut up? Do you love me? You're the only one left in this family with my father's strength. I'm a Corleone. You can save the Corleone family. I'll help you. ultimate story of family. Come at me as you will. And loyalty. Give her word, daughter. Power. And violence. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. The Godfather, part three. When they come, they'll come at what you love. Right, it's 7.45 in the evening. Who wants to start? What a load of bollocks, Andy. <laughs> it was really was as, as bad as as we all as I explained it would be. I think right. I said it was lots and lots of sort of bureaucraticy deal nonsense, and then layered on with stuff from the old films. But that doesn't make a good film. That's just self-referential. You need to have good stuff. I think an interesting point that we raised quite early on was it's really similar to the first of the recent tranche of Star Wars films in that they went, oh, let's do lots of bureaucratic stuff because people will really love that. <laughs> yeah, we'll throw in, we'll have lots of bureaucratic stuff and we'll throw in references to things that we already know, feeling that familiarity sure. is what brings us back to movies rather than something being interested and engaging. I mean, I don't know what they... Th- I don't know what part of it they thought was going to be interesting or engaging. I mean, there's just so little stakes in, in the film, or it seems there's so little stakes. We don't know what everyone's annoyed about or what everyone's fighting over. Like, when they, when they oh, get... Hold on, re- can I, can I say... Because I've done it a few times. I, I've seen it a few times, and I, I think I could sort of do a synopsis of it in a few sentences, actually. Right, on you go. Michael Corleone's trying to get out of illegitimate business... Uh, Joey Zaza is an up-and-coming member of uh, the crime syndicate who is disgruntled that he's not able to get lots of money, so he stages a hit. Um, Michael Corleone... And what a hit. And what a hit is a great hit. Um, Hello, Homer. Um, that might have cost $100 million to, to stage. Sure. Um, so Michael Corleone tries to stage a legitimate deal taking over Immobiliari, which is a sort of subsidiary company owned by the Vatican and there are various interested parties who are not happy with this, so they exercise their power to try and stop Michael Corleone. Michael Corleone has eventually gives up power to his nephew, who kills all the bad people, but unfortunately the bad people also kill the Pope at the end. And what's her name? Sophia, Sophia Coppola. Mary Corleone. Are we, gonna st- are we just going to jump right in there? Because I, yeah. I felt bad in my little pre-review at the end of The Godfather 2, I was saying Sofia Coppola is dreadful. Can you guys add anything to that? 
It's kind of gone down, like, it's in cinema folklore, these bad performances, and often I find when, like, people get a ripping or a film gets a kick in, I always find, oh, it's just a, you know, it usually is fairly unjust or a bit, like, over-egged, but she is just unbelievable. She can't do anything. I thought like, she wasn't dreadful in her very first scene where she d- she comes over to Vincent and she's like, I remember you. No, dreadful. I agree with Mike. Awful. Fair enough. Everything was bad then. I thought that one scene wasn't that, that but everything else there's, was that. There's a bit like towards the end at the opera where she's like surrounded by like four or five guys oh. and their job is just to be like, oh, you look lovely this evening. And she can't even like stand there and react to the compliment she she just looks like bewildered you made the sort of motions that she was like a like a puppet on a string basically just jerking about she just didn't know what to do it's it was yeah it was really bad I think it's, it's not like it's her first ever film it's not like she's a, a music star and she's just been dropped in there it's not like it's Madonna just go well I'll just I'll just wing it she's lived in the movie world all her life and she's acted in like a dozen movies before this one it's not like she's had nothing to do which movies Oh, I, I was exactly. looking at them exactly, but it's not like she, no idea. It's not like like she'll have been doing the thing where most of what she'll have been doing is reacting, though. Like Michael's talking about, that's your bread and butter. If you can't do that thing where you're just sort of standing still and other people are doing stuff and you're going, oh, thing, what do I do with my hands? What yeah. do I do with my hands? You know, it's an Patrick, actor knows. It's, it's Patrick Schwarzenegger in Grown Ups too. <laughs> Fair enough. Great, great comparison. From the opening seconds, it begins with an with a voiceover, which is a letter from Pacino, and just from that, how far have we come from Buena Sera talking about I believe in America? It's just it just didn't feel like a Godfather film. Well, you know what? That's indicative of where you are if you're going on my immigration narrative, which I'm gonna I'm gonna hark back to and go. This is third generation immigrants who have succeeded once again, and it's it's become a life that none of us relate to in any way shape or form it's people who are monstrously wealthy living lives that we don't care about like at, at the beginning he gives a check to some charity for a hundred million dollars one hundred million dollars no we're not doing that podcast anymore Mike we're not doing the Austin Powers one in 1979 one hundred we'll million dollars and, and we're just looking at each other going these are sums of money that mean absolutely nothing to us it's, it's just nonsense it might as well be one hundred billion dollars it means nothing it's, it's just a figure um, so you can't relate to it in any way. Whereas you could relate to, on some level, a uh, first-generation immigrant not getting help off the justice system or folk trying to do drug deal. You know, you can, you can, there's some empathy with that. But mm-hmm. this is just crap. It means nothing. It's not real world. The, it's not even that. It's just badly written. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Badly directed. It's just all of it. It's just, they, they should have known. Francis Ford Coppola has done the first two. He should know. <laughs> that it, all the plot holes or or all the all the bad points in it, and it, it, well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe because like Mike raised this point right at the end of the movie and was asking what comes from the original book, and I was saying the first movie comes all from the original book, and all of the second movie, with the exception of the Cuba stuff, which is the boring stuff, which is hard. It's it's just it's thick and complicated and needlessly so. Um, and that is Coppola's own invention. And then the third one, he and Puzo wrote it together, but it's not from the book, so it's just it's it's from a different thing. Well, it's from the film. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the problem. It's not from an original piece mm-hmm. of literature or whatever. And you can tell. Well, actually, it deviates from the book because uh, Vincent is the the son of the lady that that Sonny is having sex with in the first one. But in mm-hmm. the book, 
she goes off to LA and doesn't have a kid, so it's not you know it's it's but it doesn't mention who's 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 yeah it it does. What is it? Yeah, it says that it's Lucy Mancini or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, so I think it's a small. <laughs> I think if we're if we're picking over that, then sure. Like we were going over things. Michael mentioned it was set in 1979. Costumes didn't look like it was 1979. It was, it was 1990. Sofia Coppola looked like Hillary from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's how she was dressed. Um, and there was nothing. There was no like markers that said this is it. There's so many in the first one. There's great ones that it's just well. That's war. one of the things that makes them so great. It's painstaking detail in yes. the first and the second one of the, the period you know mm. it feels very much of the time but there's there is nothing here sure it, it could be any time between 1970 and 19 about 1993 94 because there's no cell phones no it could have been 1990 yeah it is filmmaking <laughs> well, from 1990 yeah yes. and as I said when we were watching it it felt like something like Slither or is basic, that just, basic instinct is that because bit? we're culturally more conscious of things from this period that we go we can now start to date things that little bit better because me and Mike did that when it hit Rocky I know there's a five year gap but yeah. as soon as it got to Rocky we were going this is shot differently the lighting's different yeah. Yeah, it the, looks, the whole scope of it is different well it looks very similar to Rocky 5 which is a film we obviously covered in our Rocky Marathon episode and like it is shot like it it's lit like it, it, it like it and obviously that came out in 1990 as well so I mean that just seems to be it's just the, indicative of it the it was period. the style Whereas, of the time the Godfather 1 and 2 are, are they're not timeless but they feel like mm-hmm. they're they, they, they're they, rooted to a time mm. the difference is Goodfellas came out in 1990 and that was a period piece sure and that felt like a, it, it didn't feel like it was in the 90s and that's that comes down to good direction I was going to say what, what I quoted anything that you actually liked in it like Scorsese's mum shows up in it and complains about the old neighbourhood I love that Scorsese's mum who features in Goodfellas that gave me a chuckle for two seconds um. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Somebody shows up from a significantly better <laughs> film, and we go, "Oh, look, that's who that is." And that I had that, that takes else. Us, it takes us. Out. Oh wait, no, I enjoyed the fact that Andy Garcia was just as hairy as his father, James Khan. Yeah, he was that, hairy. He was I really think. hairy. He was hairy. He was I, selectively hairier, though. I appreciated this. If for nothing else, I. I appreciated its placing and where it's been specifically for our day of the marathon. You know, we've sat through two very, very good but very meaty films that require a lot of attention, whereas this is almost as long, but it's just so inconsequential and so unnecessary and so daft at so many points that we could just have a wee chat about it and we could, you know, sort of cut loose. I I appreciated that, but I think that is a very specific uh, like, unless you happen to be watching all these films back to back to back. You guys should try. Um, No, I I, I wouldn't recommend it. Obviously, you don't get much out of two watching it straight back from one and uh, watching three at all is is a problem. John, it, it didn't take you long for the film to lose you and you exclaimed many, many times your unhappiness at the entire project I mean what was the, what was the low light or what where, where did it all go wrong I, I think it was was it 20 minutes in before I just said I hate all of this yeah, I hate everything it was about a, it <laughs> um, I think you said you hated everything about everything yeah it was, it was, it, it, that it came was, later okay. <laughs> it sucked the, the, the joy of life from me which I know is a difficult thing to do but um, pretty much from minute one Mm-hmm. There wasn't a low point. I guess maybe his heart attack was mm. was a. He had a couple. Uh, the first, first one, one, the 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 big one. Um, he sort of flails against the window, and then they carry him through the kitchen. And yeah, and he's. Uh, it's just all of it is just so 
bad. It's so hollow as well, that's mm. the problem. Um, it felt like a Joel Schumacher film. Mm. Well, see, I played, a game, I played a game in the <laughs> first couple of movies where I was going for who are the characters that I love that just show up for a, a tiny little bit, mm. you know, and there was loads of them. They've got brilliant performance uh, and or brilliant character, you know, it's like that. Yeah. There was quite a few utterly superfluous characters in it. So we'll play the game of can you tell me anything done by George Hamilton. What was George Hamilton's character's name? Well, I have it written in front of me. Oh, that, so. okay. Right. Yeah. I, what was I, what was his I, name? Well, I wouldn't be able. To, his name is B. J. Harrison. So he doesn't even oh. get he doesn't even get like a first name. Well, honestly, if, his his first name is B. J. Yeah. Look, if that had come <laughs> exactly. up in the movie, we all would have laughed like John yeah. is laughing now. Yeah. Um, can you guys tell me anything he actually did that wasn't just sort of uh, explaining the business, situation? Business exposition. That just, was all yeah, he was for. Was he never was. got a personal line of dialogue or anything. He never had like a moment with with uh, Michael. He never. Got he, he he was just whereas there. It, had it been Duval, you would have got that business legal exposition, yeah. mm-hmm. and you would have got hey Mikey, why don't we do you know it would have yeah. been the, you would have had a little bit of dialogue in an actual chat that would have told you how people were feeling and why they want to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, does Connie do anything? Who? The sister. She's been in all three movies. Tyler yeah, Shire. She, Tyler Shire. She poisons Don. Okay, so she hands a box to somebody. Yeah, but I got that. Yeah, okay. And she handed a box to somebody in two hours and four She kind minutes. of embraces the family business, I suppose, at that but point. It's, yeah. it's she's moving characters late, along. Like, if you're doing sort of Bechdel test style mm-hmm. stuff, it's it's not showing up for, for anything useful. Sure. Um, Al Neary, who killed people in the earlier films and opened doors and pours drinks, all he does is sit around the background and look bored as far as I can see. He kills the cardinally chap at the he, end. He ate some biscuits. And, yeah. stroked, and stroked his gun. Stroked his gun. Lovingly. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, you're right. But then, what about anybody else? I couldn't tell you anything that Al Pacino did in this <laughs> compared compared to the first two. You know, oh, sure. it's just such a shame because if you look, and especially you know, in hindsight of just having watched it a couple hours ago, the second film ends so darkly and so perfectly. You kind of have Michael's descent. He's completely cut off from everybody in his life, and 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 they bring him back. And if you, if you're gonna go back and continue the story, you don't need to for a start. But if you're gonna do it for something good, they've got nothing here. There's a little bit where he's like, "Oh, Fredo, Fredo," but generally, I mean, he, he has his confession scene, which is probably the most powerful scene I, in the I whole was film. Say, I, I thought that was actually very good. I yeah, that's that that, good. that's my favorite bit. But that's it. I mean, there's not really much before that. There's very little the thing after is they that. Have killed off so many people and they have alienated his family who you don't really care about because you're not invested in his kids because they are five and six when the last film ends basically well that's the thing that so how can you have these characters unless you actually invest in some dialogue or situations where they can grow and learn and love mm-hmm. you don't you know but uh, Marlon Brando died in the first one and you know they're still oh sure but you've uh, and you've James still and died in the first still enough you still got lots of characters it was a big fat it was a family yeah but in the same in the same way you know we had Diane Keaton who didn't mm. do anything uh, in this we had Tanya Shire we had um, mm. you know whoever else <laughs> was in it that you've got written down <laughs> but you know there's just nothing for them to do mm-hmm. and again as 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 my put the first two were meaty they were. I was finding it difficult to keep up with what's going on, in it. but with this one, I just gave up. I just couldn't. Well, it wasn't worth it. The only thing, yeah, it wasn't the only worth thing it. there to be understood was when they had an, an 
The only thing there to be understood was when they had an administrative overhaul of Vatican banking procedure <laughs> with 45 minutes to yeah. go. And they actually did a newspaper montage to tell us how you're going to have an administrative overhaul. But just all this about, you know, the the, the dealing, the backroom dealings in the Vatican and all these business deals which really don't lead to anything. I mean, they've moved so far away from, like, what made the first two films so great. Do I really you care if he's a billionaire or a multi-billionaire? No, I don't. That's, and not, I, that's not tangible power. I guess my point is, if you're going to take it in a different direction and move it in, in a different, you know, take the Godfather series in a new direction, I wish they'd gone the other way and had it as, like, a fucking zombie movie or something. It's just like, <laughs> if you're going to sully the memory, if you're going to take it in a different direction, at least do something interesting do and enjoyable. Do you think you to do, it. like, Wall Street? It's like two years after yeah, Wall Street. Yeah, That's, yeah, that, it's it's it that felt, greed is good. It's, it's oh, a very you know Thatcherite picture. It's got the uh, early Michael Crichton mm. vibe to it. You know, yeah. like, what was the one with Demi Moore and um, Michael Douglas in it? The one with what? the legs and the the turn. No, that's no, no, that's that's no, it's Glenn Close to Philip Traction. Ah. It's Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the disclosure. Or, Oh, oh yeah, okay. and John, you're old. We don't. Thing. I know. Sorry, these were formative years for me. But that's where it, that's again, kind of late eighties, early nineties. It's that kind of corporate world mm. that was in movies all the time that nobody gave a shit about. Sure. Well, um, I mean, the fucking Del Boy did that in his early years, where he was trying to be a yuppie and then mm. a, a, an executive style person. You know, it's just of the era, but it's just a crap, boring era. It's. It's funny what I said about the first two was that I find it difficult to um, to connect or feel compassionate for any of the the characters because they lack compassion. But in comparison to that, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just you know there were maybe the, we should have watched the we should have watched them backwards. backwards yeah. At least, yeah, at least in those earlier films, at least you could believe that the characters in there have had conversations with each other when the camera's not been there at least here it's just like oh, yeah. these people don't know each other they don't care about each other it's yeah. just there's nothing there's a beautiful scene with um, Sofia Coppola and uh, <laughs> Al Pacino on the roof when they were having breakfast um, I can't even remember what she was saying why are you, why is this happening or something and it's oh why are you here why am I here that's right yeah no what, yeah. what are you doing what am I doing what it's was like her last line question. why are you doing this to me dad yeah, yeah. and the, the, we've not even touched on the tender knocky making sequence between oh. her and Andy Garcia I mean we haven't even talked about the, the, say, the incestuous so relationship incest. yeah yes. we haven't really talked about that but perhaps perhaps we should just leave it I mean there are callbacks uh, lots and lots of callbacks you know significant moments of the films you know there's the opening celebration sequence there's the they're all sitting around the table and discussing big business and presumably coming to important decisions there's the sequence at the end where everybody gets killed off and so it's there the thing is those are, those are sort of structural ones that mm -hmm. they do and that's how you structure a Godfather movie and mm -hmm. that's legitimate because you can say well we didn't the first one we didn't the second one we didn't the third one this is how we do it bish bash bosh but with this one they were doing little things where they would do sort of Roger Moore-esque winks to the camera yeah. after one of the characters goes oh you know you should really keep your friends close mm -hmm. and it's it's just so knowing and it's it's really George Hamilton sleazy yeah. I know he doesn't have any of them but it's that level of sleaze he's just in the background sleazing on everyone He's just so sleazy. I um, <clears throat> betrayed my wife. Gone, my son. I betrayed myself. 
I killed men. And I ordered men to be killed. Go on, my son. Go on. Go on, my son. Thank you. I ordered the death of my brother. He injured me. I killed my father's son. I killed my father's son. Your sins are terrible, and it is just that you suffer. Your life could be redeemed, but I know that you don't believe that. You will not change. Ego te absolvo, nove de Padres, Filii et Spiritus Santos. Amen. we can we can draw a line under godfather part three and uh as we draw to an end of this this uh marathon day uh we'll, we'll just maybe reflect on the series that was andy as someone that's seen all all three films many times you haven't watched them all back to back in the past i dare say <laughs> no i wouldn't have agreed to do this if i had right uh, so how how was it watching them all back to back is it maybe uh has it made you have a new understanding of them, a new appreciation, or has it maybe even had an opposite effect? I pretty much watched the arse out of them anyway, mm-hmm. so there wasn't much new to get out of the, the, the good ones. Um, and I was left... I, I'm pretty much at the exact same point. Mm-hmm. Fair deuce. Just, well, I, I just don't want to write this whole thing off. Yeah. I've had a nice time. Yeah, I've had I, a lovely time. Well, I think as long as you're not coming away feeling worse about it, I suppose that's something. Um, no, I still have huge respect for the Godfather films. Okay. John, it was your first watch of all three of them, and I think we've already established that watching them all back to back is not the way to do it. But uh, has it has it been a completely wasted day for you? No, not at all. Um, halfway through the third one, I was thinking, you know, there's there's a little thing that I liked about myself, the fact that I hadn't seen them. It was <laughs> it was something that made me, uh, you know, people go, oh, you've never seen it. No, I've seen never them. seen The Godfather, and and I was thinking, I wish I'd stuck to that. Oh no! But <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But uh, on reflection. Uh, the first two were really good really enjoyable I think it's probably two films that I will go back and watch again and I will get more from and it will become because um, ladies and gentlemen John's one of these guys who will watch utterly um, obscure 1980s horror films and really weird sci-fi films dire what, films really bad films just appalling like budgets of 20 grand in 1982 and he will re-watch them to make sure that the time travel stuff syncs up and all these other things fit in together so the fact that John I is, am single ladies <laughs> so the fact that John is single is unsurprising the fact that John is not going to um, deny himself more watches of The Godfather should the opportunity arise is, is a good thing well, Mike, I want to ask you, how how do you feel about the whole thing? I, well, 
Yeah, it's tough the first, questions. <laughs> the first one I enjoyed as much as I've always enjoyed it. I think I think that's a classic. I think it is brilliant. The second one, watching it right after the first is is not the way to do it. And I wouldn't recommend it to people. And we've done some of our box set episodes which have which have been alright. I've just our last our last one which hasn't been released at the time of recording was our Born episode we watched all four Born films and that really zipped along and was really enjoyable this not quite so much so the second film is one that I'm not as familiar with and I think seeing it that time right after the first and it being maybe the only the third or fourth time seeing it uh, probably probably lessened my appreciation for it and I dare say if I go back and revisit it in a couple of years time I will appreciate it again in a whole different way but uh, yeah back to back tricky Definitely, what definitely one of our tougher our tougher watches. But I, for for as bad as part three was, I appreciated it because I think we got a bit of a laugh out of it, and I think we needed it. I think you also need to say that you need to have seen the Godfather part three as well. Yeah, for someone no, in your I'm position, I'm glad to have written it off. Um, it is <laughs> to, yeah. to score it off the list. Score it off, written off, means it was, something slightly different, yeah, but also yeah. true. I'm glad to score I've it off my off. list, yeah. and now I can write off. It's it's. I, I, I was always having never seen it I was like oh well it can't be as bad as all that you're probably just comparing it to the to the other three but it, it, it is a bad film in, in its own merits and when you compare it alongside the, the third god uh, all the other two godfathers what, what order would you put them in Mike I'm guessing you'd just go one two three I'd go one two three I think yeah and I, I think that's what it would have that, that would have been my guess at the start of it as well John what would you rate them in order of uh, one two and you don't <laughs> um, I'm going to go slightly against the grain and, and say that our the way that we've watched them today will probably flavour the way that, that you guys have viewed them but mm-hmm. I still think that 2 is a, a, a slightly stronger film than 1 just because I, I prefer the darkness of it ever so slightly um, and I think on a normal viewing you're you're not going to get as bogged down in the sort of Cuba stuff which isn't as much fun so I'm going to go 2, 1, 3 I, I guess the real meat of the series comes in the second one when you really see what Michael goes through so I would agree that like that's and all the all the, the, the Genesis-y stuff I mean I, I, I don't think we mm. talked about that a great deal when no, we did the true. second one but I think it's it's such a beautiful time in American history that turn of the century in New York when so many people are rising from the very bottom of society travelling over to the new world working their asses off for 20 years and their kids are all doctors and lawyers because they put in incredibly hard hours um, into that melting pot society. It's a, a really special time and I think The Godfather 2 does such a great job of capturing it and it's it's young De Niro and it's, it's just wonderful. Terrific. Well... I think we've I think we've done it justice. Obviously, you know, it's you're on a bit of a hide into nothing when you sit down and talk about the Godfather films because they've they have been uh, analysed to death since their release and they they do stand. It's at least the first two in many people's eyes, the pinnacle of of cinema. Guys, thank you very much. It's not been an easy watch, but I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure having you, John. It's been great to meet you in person and to confirm that you're not just some Andy's alter ego. So unless we're actually Facebook. in Fight Club. <laughs> oh God. In- Let's not start. We could go on forever. You have thoughts on Fight Club, John? Yes, imagine that. Go back to that episode, it's terrific. But uh, thank you guys very much, John. It's been a pleasure. Andy? Thank you. All the best. I suppose now I'll treat you to a night at the opera. Off we go.
organized crime. Don Homer, I have baked a special donut just for you. Mmm, grazie. Don Homer, my son, he has a trouble with the. Uh... Eh, 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 eh. Molto bene. That's a nice donut.